Do you see them? Somewhere past the mossy oaks, past the muddy shallows and worn sandbars, beyond hemic points and over the horizon, there are very special winged creatures that have traveled thousands of miles through blistering winds, freezing rain, and barren cornfields to whistle past the pines and run across the flats before splashing down right here on Fluffed Landing. To see them requires extreme discipline. They can sense your impatience. Try to surprise them and they'll disappear in a flash, but wait too long and they'll dive deep below the surface, only to reappear as nothing more than a dot on the looming horizon. In all my days of stalking these beautiful creatures, imitating their moves, and learning to twist my tongue to speak their shrill language, I've learned the secret to conjuring their presence. It's a simple phrase, but one imbued with the vast history of man's pursuit to know and subdue this mesmerizing branch of the animal kingdom. And I'll teach it to you, only if you promise to use it sparingly, only when you're at your most desperate. It goes like this, so repeat after me. Here, ducky ducky! Hey there, audio listener. My name is Jake. I'm a fluffy landing local and an aspiring waterfowler who found out this hunting season, I really suck at duck hunting, which is why I'm here to share my most embarrassing stories, misguided tips, and PG-13 rated frustrations with you. Maybe you're a sorry excuse for an outdoorsman just like me, or hey, maybe you've shot more ducks than decoys. Either way, I'm here to learn from you, practice the craft of ethical hunting, and share tales from everything that happens here on Fluffy Landing. Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa. This chapter is just getting started. Let's see, where did I leave off? Ah, yes, here we are. All right. Once upon a time, on a shallow bank at low tide on the west end of Fluffy Landing, there was a solo duck hunter with a spare hour before work. All right, so this morning I had a little extra time before work, and I decided to hit a spot that a buddy and I have been hitting recently. It's about 10 minutes from our house, which is perfect because I'm able to just drop right over there, um, throw in a few decoys, stand in the reeds, you know, to build a blind or anything just right there on the shoreline. Um, and then pick back up and, and hopefully be back before work was kind of the thought. I hadn't really tested the theory yet. We'd just gone on a Saturday morning. Um, and we didn't see a lot the Saturday morning that we went. So we've scattered this area a couple of times, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon. Usually there's stuff flying around here and there, not a ton of birds, but some one afternoon we caught about, I don't know, 200 coots out there. Um, which in the moment was obviously exciting. We didn't really plan to shoot them, but we thought, hey, maybe they will essentially act as live decoys and try in the birds that we do want to shoot. Um, so we hung out for a little bit. We didn't really see much. Um, so we, we packed it in that day for for that scout and, and headed off. But um, I decided to go ahead and hit this spot just because it, there wasn't a lot of wind. There wasn't no wind. It was just kind of a medium wind day. I think it was like five or six miles per hour out of the north, which also made me think that this, this spot since on the north side of the bay would the water would be pushed out a bit so it'll be a little bit more shallow um which i thought actually might help not only with just being able to throw decoys because it can get a little mucky in this area and, it, and there's kind of a shelf that drops off and gets deep pretty quickly so i figured that shelf would be kind of pushed out a little bit further so I'll be able to get the decoys further from shore than when the tide is fully in um and i i don't know i mean it's it's just so close to where i live it's kind of the only place that i could practically hunt before work um the spot that I, I tend to go where you get a lot of traffic of some of those bigger flocks out in the middle of the bay that you can get to swing in especially the buffalo heads and stuff um that spot it's just a little too far i tried it one morning and it being late to work which in my situation wasn't a huge deal um i was able to just make up the hours on the back end but obviously not something i can do on a regular basis um also my wife and i we have an infant so um being close to home is especially good since we're down to one car right now so if I don't know if for whatever reason we needed to get up and go somewhere knowing that I can leave the due course or not and just jump in the car and be home in less than 10 minutes. Um, that's, that's reassuring as well. So 
So I decided to hit this spot. Um, the last time that, that my buddy and I were there, we took a pretty big spread. I think we probably threw five going on six dozen decoys, um, predominantly diver decoys. I think we might've thrown a few mallards, um, just real close to shore. Um, but we did sort of your traditional diver duck spread, kind of a big line, 35, 40 yards out to kind of get their attention. We kind of, we, we've got a mix of long lines and Texas rigs. For the most part, we do have some just line and anchor uh, decoys. And we can talk more about decoy spreads in, in future episodes when it's a little bit more relevant. Um, but we kind of, we take our Texas rigs and we kind of puddle around our long lines so that those long lines don't look too liney, if that makes sense. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, um, the birds in this location tend to be flying higher. They're not on the deck like they are often are of the bay. So I don't think you quite get the same. I think they have a different perspective and I think lines could look a lot less natural um, in this spot versus being out on open water. Um, secondly, um, we do it because we're trying to draw birds into shore and usually often not working necessarily with the wind because the wind is what it is. And all of our shoreline I mean, it's the north end of a bay and it's all pretty parallel. There aren't a lot of undulations in that shoreline where you could say, okay, well, you know, we got an east wind or something, so let's set up this way. You just, there's not a whole lot to work with. You're kind of, no matter what, you're pulling birds in towards shore. Um, so we just kind of figure more of a puddled look, but still kind of a defined line 35, 40 yards out. And then a couple of landing, you know, landing zones that we created with like some like ring offs, if that makes sense. And then a few um, just next to the shoreline, um, aggressive eaters like coots, confidence birds, that sort of thing. And then, like I said, uh, I think we threw some mallards. So that didn't work at all. I think it was just way too big of a spread. The few birds that we did see that day were onesies and twosies. Several of them were just kind of like swimming 50, 60, 80, 100 yards out. Um, and there just wasn't really a ton of interest. It just, I think it just seemed unnatural. Like why would there be, you know, 70 birds over there and there's like two, you know what I mean? Actual birds in that little estuary bayou, whatever you call it. Um, so today what I decided to do, especially since I'm hiking only myself in the morning, um, was just to take 18 decoys. Um, So what I did is I took three of my Texas rigs and the way I like to do is like tie off my Texas rigs in groups of six, so half dozens. So I took three half dozens. Um, I took half a dozen coots, half a a dozen buffalo heads, and half a dozen canvasbacks, which ideally I'd be taking buffalo heads or redheads. We don't really see um, bluebills or uh, canvasbacks in this area. <laughs> I didn't know that when we bought the decoys and I think they still work to some extent. We're still getting black and white on the water. Um, and they're Higdon standards. They're foam filled. They, you know, they've got really great paint jobs on them. So they look really good on the water and they ride really well. So I think all that is, is a bonus, but ideally in the future with this sort of minimal spread, um, I would probably take some coots, maybe even a mallard, um, or two, and then, and then mostly redheads and then like a smattering of buffleheads. But what I did today, because I had the minimal setup, is I, I I threw everything in threes and twos with just a few single drakes around, right? So kind of on the far edge of the spread, 35 yards out um, to the right, and then all the way to the left, I threw groups of three. Uh, three buffleheads to the, uh, excuse me, three bluebills to the right, and then three camasbacks to the left. And then very near sh- toward shore, I threw, again, two groups of three three coots and three coots to the right and to the left. And then down the middle, I kind of broke up my space to create two, almost even three landing zones. The third was a little shallow, so I don't think anyone would actually land there, but effectively two landing zones 
that were split by just these little groups of um, bluebills and camasbacks, where it was typically like a drake and, you know, kind of towing a hen or like a solo drake. Um, so that was the spread that I threw really simple. And what I did is I just posted up in these reeds. The tide was like way out, like way more than I've ever seen. So that's why I think it, it wasn't even necessarily tied. I think it was largely just the fact that we had, we've had some pretty stiff Northern winds over the last couple of days, just blowing that water out towards the South end of the bay. Um, so I was, I wasn't even standing in water really. I basically had my, my feet in waders and some mud. I could have worn boots honestly today. Um, and just posted up in some reeds and, that was the, that was this that was the set that was the spread uh, uh, the spread um so what actually ended up happening this morning well um i didn't see birds until about seven o'clock in the morning i was set up at six or seven six oh eight right shooting time was six twelve so a little bit late I'd, I'd like to have like 10 to 15 minutes of being set in my spot <laughs> getting ready um if there are birds that are swimming or something not have me in the decoys just let them swim on in and that sort of really early pre-dawn light um, and then jump them, you know, when it's shooting time, but, um, didn't see a bird. And so I sat there for what, 45 minutes, knew I was going to be needing to pack up the decoys in about five minutes, um, to be able to get back for working time and, uh, was just about to give up. And all of a sudden two ducks kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if they came from the left or I had a little bit less visibility because the sun was shining in my eye as well as that's where the majority of the reeds are. And so I don't know if they came from like further in this bayou we're flying out towards the bay saw my spread or heard me calling because I was actually just happened to be like kind of like test calling because it just seemed like there was nothing out there um I don't know if they saw something or heard something and hooked in back towards me or if they were sitting on the water and I just hadn't seen them and they you know were further out and then were swimming closer and then got up and came but basically all of a sudden birds were in the air maybe 100 yards out directly in front of me coming right at the decoys um and I, I kind of panicked a little bit to be completely honest. And I was, I was getting ready to just be done. I was kind of feeling defeated. I thought I kind of wasted a morning. Um, it was super, super cold. So I was kind of frozen at that point. I mean, for here, us in Florida, like 30 degrees is really cold. Um, and, and so all of a sudden these birds pop up I'm like, oh, holy cow. All right. This might be my opportunity. So I'm like reaching for my call. I like can't get my call real quick. Cause I just put together this like really crummy <laughs> paracord lanyard last night. And like, I'm not all familiar with it. And my calls are sit higher up than, um, where they typically are in a pocket that I normally keep them in. So like, I couldn't get my call in my mouth quickly enough. And I was like freaking out. And so I start mouth burring these ducks like I saw in a YouTube video, Larry, Larry Smith outdoors on YouTube has this video of him hunting some bay that I can't pronounce up in Wisconsin. Um, and he goes with this guy who's a local who just burrs at these birds. And I'll, I'll try to, it's just like a, like that's, that's literally what it is. It, it sounds ridiculous. It doesn't sound like any kind of dire call I've ever heard anyone else do. Um, you know, you hear those guys kind of doing this like really fast purring sound through a duck call that sounds more like, you know, kind of a two-tone thing. And, uh, I, it seemed to work for that guy. So I was like, okay, I can't get my call in my mouth. Uh, my hands are scrambling on my gun. I'm just going to start doing this birthing through my mouth have no idea whether or not this helped the, the ducks come in or not. I don't know if they were just coming. They saw the decoys and that was it. Um, if the burring was helpful, if it was, a detra- I have no idea. I have no idea if it helped or not, but these birds, they pick up, they come straight at me. Um, they get to about five, maybe 10 yards outside of the decoys. And they, and I can tell they're trying to figure out where they're going to land. And 
I haven't had a chance to produce episodes before this, so I'm sorry. I'm kind of backfilling in. So this is getting to be longer than I thought it was going to be for a quick just dive, debrief of what happened today. Um, but I've been in several hunts over the last couple of weeks where I've had good decoy spreads, been set up in good spots, had have had birds come and just beelining for the decoys. And they'll, they'll stop a little short or they'll land just, I mean, so quickly, like much more quickly than I thought a duck could land. And I've been slow to shoot and I've missed that opportunity. Then they're landed. I don't want to shoot them on the water. And so I'm kind of waiting for them to either swim closer in the decoy so I can jump them or just see what's going to happen. And like almost without fail, you know, they land five yards outside of my furthest decoy, which is already a tough shot. Then they dive. And then when they resurface, they're 15 yards further than the decoys and they are way out of range. Um, and so I've, I've, I've probably watched, I mean, a dozen to 18 birds fly into my decoys, land, swim away essentially without me shooting this season. And it's been super frustrating because I, I've, I was raised hunting puddle ducks and was just always, it was drilled in my skull from my dad, my grandpa. Like we wait until these birds decoy, we wait until they cuff, we wait until they're like right there. You know, you have no excuse not to kill them. Um, and you get a good clean kill. Um, and even if you don't, you know what I mean? You're dropping them in the water or you're, you're severely crippling or, or, or winging them and you can get quality second and third shots off to finish them off before they get too far away. And I'm especially conscious that, um, hunting in my current situation is that I don't have a boat and I don't have a retrieving dog. And so, you know, we're, we're hunting on these shelves on these shorelines and those shelves drop off really quick. And so even if you hit a bird, if it can get, if it can fly another 15, 20 yards and then start swimming, like it'll be past that shelf oftentimes and it's just going to go off and die. Like you, you're not going to be able to get to it because you know, you're up to your chest in water the second you step off that shelf. So, so I'm waiting on these birds. I can tell that they're, I mean, they're, they're beelining for me, right? They get to about 10 yards out. They start to split, right? So it's a pair. One starts to go left and one starts to go right. And now I'm just spinning my brain. We'll shoot. Which one do I take? Normally I'm hunting with other guys and it's pretty simple. It's like, okay, I'm the guy on the left. I'm just going to start looking towards the left bird. Well, today I had kind of the paralysis um, analysis happening. I'm like, oh gosh, wait, wait, you know, this one seems like it might work into the decoys. That one seems like it might be going out, but maybe it's going out to circle back in and get a better shot and come back in for a landing. And while all this is processing, I take a look at that right one again. And it's, I mean, it's, it's in kill range. I missed the shot. Let's be, let's just, let's just jump to the chase. I missed the shot, but it's in kill range. I, I know now looking back, I think I should have waited longer. I think it would have actually come down to land and I think it could have gotten a much simpler shot and then had closer and more effective cleanup shots. But I go ahead. I, I, all this is lurking in the back of my mind that I've let birds land and then let them swim out of my decoys. And I, I raise my gun and I shoot and I know I get off kind of a crummy first shot. And the second that I do, this thing was probably still 20, 25 yards in the air. Man, it just opened those wings and was 5, 10 yards further before I got the second shot off. And I I dumped the third shot because I had been there. I was freezing. I, I just wanted something to happen. Um, I was frustrated. And so I took the third shot, which I almost never take, especially in that kind of situation. But I just wasted a shot on a third shot and just watch that bird fly away in one direction, watch the other bird circle and catch up with it. And just those two pairs, they just flew right back out the same way that they came in. And that was it. That was my morning hunt. That was the end of that. So a couple of lessons learned. I think the first one is... Um, <laughs> you, you might not actually need calls when you're hunting divers in this kind of situation, right? Um, I've seen those guys 
just burn with their mouths on YouTube. That's what I ended up doing. The birds ultimately ended up coming towards the decoys. They didn't flare way out. They didn't stop way short. I mean, they were coming. Um, I could have killed one of them for sure. I just missed the shot. Um, and so, so maybe calls are just a distraction, you know, me fumbling, trying to get that call in my mouth, maybe that would have given me just a little bit of extra time to get set up, pick my shot, tell myself, Hey, be patient, you know, let them work the decoys. They're coming right at you. Just wait. Um, instead I was fumbling with the calls, got kind of flustered, you know what I mean? Ended up taking a shot probably quick, almost assuredly quicker than I really should have. Um, and then definitely being flustered for the second and third shots, which ended up just being wasted shells. Second thing learned, I think, is that after I took those shots, the whole morning I'd been watching two ducks that were probably 70 yards out, right? And as soon as I started shooting, they got up off the water and believe it or not, they actually flew straight towards my decoys and skirted the decoys. Well, I was so flustered from having missed those ducks and just being (laughs) defeated that I didn't see them coming until they were probably 15 yards outside of my decoys. And then when I went to fumble to get a shell in my gun, my hands were so cold (laughs) from this cold front that we've had down here in Florida, not being used to the cold weather, that I couldn't get a shell in my gun fast enough and my gun raised to my shoulder to get a shot off in time. So a couple of things happened there. If I had set up better, been more patient on that first shot, probably would have dropped more that, you know, that first bird. Then that other pair would have gotten up off of the water, come and scared of my decoys. If I had hand by hands, which I had a hand muff the entire time I was there this morning, I was choosing not to use it because I've been so patient with birds that I've, I've missed opportunities. I had my hands on my gun out in the cold the entire morning, <laughs> just waiting, ready to kill something. If I in, instead had been more patient, more relaxed, had my hands in my muffs, kept them warm, I probably wouldn't have had so much issues and been much faster shelling, you know, loading up a few more shells to be able to take what probably could have been a quality shot at those, at those third and fourth birds that came by in that second pair. Um, so yeah, so those, those were kind of lessons learned today. I think the decoy spread obviously worked. Um, it was nothing fancy. It was pretty minimal, but I think minimal was probably the way to go since I feel like we learned the last time we hunted this location that throwing a huge spread in this little bayou off of the actual big bay just didn't make sense. It it wasn't natural. You know, of course we're gonna have to do that when we're actually on the bay on open water. Um, but I I think that worked. Um, I think the mouth calling worked, or at least it wasn't a detractant, which was good to know. So Um, I don't know if I'm going to get back out there tomorrow, Friday, this weekend. I don't know when the next time will be, but next time I do, what I plan to do is throw a very slimmer decoy spread. I might switch up the location just slightly, um, just so that those birds don't learn if that's kind of where they like, I mean, for all I know, like these birds have been sitting in that bayou for a week, you know what I mean? So it's like... I don't want them to see the same exact thing, hear the same exact thing. You know what I mean? I think they'll catch on to that too quickly. So maybe set up a little bit differently, but just same general idea of a minimal setup. Get there a little bit earlier so I can get a little bit more set. Keep my hands nice and toasty. Um, yeah, and just be patient. I would. Ra- I think I would rather watch a duck decoy and not get a shot off and watch it fly away than have it come so close like this morning hastily fire off three shots that ended up being a total waste watch the birds fly away and just sit there kicking myself the rest of the day <laughs> so anyways if you've got tips for what i could have done differently today if you've got tips for how to hunt from shore how to hunt divers specifically from shore if you've got tips on whatever how to get how to become a better shot i mean do i need to go to the range is shooting clays really the same thing as shooting birds you know would love to have your your thoughts your feedback Help me become a better hunter, a better waterfowler, and uh, 
help me next time I'm in this exact situation. I get out for an early morning on, on a weekday, have 40 minutes to shoot at a bird, see one right before I need to pack up. How do I make sure that I get that kill, that I get it clean, um, and then I'm able to go home, you know, get into the office feeling successful, feeling like I got it done, uh, made the time worthwhile, and ultimately get to eat, you know, hopefully a great taste in the dock. So again, my name is Jake. I'm a local waterfowler here in Fluffy Landing. You've been listening to Tales from Fluffy Landing. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is chapter one, many more to come. They're going to be uh, solo episodes like this one where I just go out, I have a hunt, I'm going to break down the good, I'm going to break down the bad, I'll be going through gear. Um, a lot of, obviously a lot of hunting gear and stuff, it's hard to kind of review over audio format, so we will be putting out videos on YouTube, Instagram, that sort of thing, going through, well, how did we DIY our long lines, or, you know, how did we DIY adding extra weights um, on specific hunts when we need them for our Texas rigs? You know, some days it's calm, some days it's like super windy and there's a ton of surf, so how do we keep those de- decoys from floating away? Um, we're going to go through all of that in video because there might be, you might be just like me. You might be out here on the Gulf coast or somewhere else in the country, you know, hunted as a kid, maybe just like I did stopped hunting for a long time, you know, college, whatever, work, family, you name it. There's just so many things that get in the way of it. And now you're trying to get back into the sport, um, really become a true outdoorsman, have an appreciation for the wildlife that we, we hunt, help be a part of the effort to conserve it. Um, you know, help bring in new hunters into the fold, especially in your local area. I mean, these are all the things that we want to do here at Fluffy Landing. Um, and so, yeah, so this is going to be a place where we're just going to share our experiences. Um, there will be times where I'll be dialoguing with hunters that are out there with us. There may be times where we're going to be interviewing um, guys who are really successful out there, uh, you know, other places of the country and who can teach us a thing or two or three or 10, you know, and help us uh, become better hunters. So if you're one of those people, uh, hit me up on Instagram. It's hit me up on Instagram. It's fluffy landing co. Um, and, uh, just send us a message. We would love to connect with you. Consider talking about, Hey, potentially having you on the podcast, um, maybe doing a collaborative hunt, highlighting you in a feature, um, post video, you name it. It's going to be good. So thanks so much for listening again. I appreciate y'all. Um, and until next time, uh, yeah, keep your, keep your hands in your muffs, keep them warm, keep them toasty. So you don't miss that shot like I did and, uh, feel a fool. Tales from Fluffy Landing is a production of Fluffy Landing Co., a growing group of outdoor converts designing the kind of gear that we want to have in the field and on the water. Find your next favorite piece of gear at fluffylanding.co. This chapter was hosted and produced by me, Jay Vermillion. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and enjoy this tale, leave a five-star rating and consider writing a review to help more novice sportsmen, just like us, find a community to commiserate with. Have a tale to tell? Message our team to request an interview. Interested in sponsoring this podcast? Visit fluffylanding.co forward slash sponsor. Until next time, happy trails. Happy trails.